just as we talk about partnerships, this might feel like a Mission Sunday, if you will. And I've been thinking about the power of partnership. The power of partnership. And I've been thinking this week about some of the famous partnerships throughout time. You know, some of the famous partnerships that I bet many of us are, are, are aware of, you know, that have been good partnerships. And, you know, I, I thought we'd have some fun. Like, you know, there's, there's easy ones. Like there's Batman and Robin. And there's Bert and Ernie. Yeah. And there is Han and Chewie. Han and Chewie, right? And, and what about uh, Waldorf and Statler? Waldorf and Statler. Have anyone ever seen the Muppets, the Muppet show? They're the two guys that sit up top there and they heckle. They, they heckle the Muppets. That's who, I didn't know their names. I just knew them as the two guys. There's Shaggy and Scooby, Scooby-Doo. There's Sonny and Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Starsky and, yeah. There's uh, Paul Allen and Bill Gates. Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. Yes. Uh, who else I got here? Lone Ranger. Yeah, that was an easy one. Uh, Henry Wells and William Fargo. Wells and Fargo. Orville and Wilbur. Yep. Mike and ESPN. Mike and Mike. Mike and Mike. There's that wolf and that vampire from the Twilight movie. I don't know their names. There's Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, any, I couldn't think of any modern ones. These are all like from my past. Are there any modern, like famous partnerships you can think of? You're like me. Cannot think of anything. What's that? Who? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, there's a partnership that's famous. Are there famous partnerships? I know there are. Beyonce and Jay-Z. Those are the kind I'm not aware of. But Pam, People Magazine, you know, there you go. Yes. How about young people? Can you guys got any from your generation you can think of? Anybody? Cheech and Chong. Yeah, Cheech and Chong. That's not from a young person, though. All right. Famous partnerships. I guess the the cliche really is true that we really are better together. So I looked up the word partner in the dictionary and this is one of the definitions of the word partner, partnership. A partner is a person who shares or is associated with another in some action or endeavor. And I want to suggest to us this morning that partnership has always been God's intention. Partnership has always been God's intention for his people, and for his kingdom. I think you only need to go back to the original creation story to see the evidence of that. I mean, you have God who creates, who speaks everything into creation, and it's good. Then he creates Adam, and it's very good. And we have this partnership already like evident between God and man. And God said, here's your job, Adam. I want you to rule and reign over all of creation. We're, gonna, you know, we're partners, partnership. But then you have the first not good of creation. It's before sin. It's before the fall. And God looks down and says, you know what? It, it, it's not good. It's, it's not complete that Adam is alone. So God creates a helper, a partner. 
you know, a, a human partner for Adam. And, and now you have God and Adam and Eve in this beautiful partnership between God and, and, and humans ruling and reigning in creation. Partnership has always been God's design for his people and for his kingdom. I think of Moses and, and the partnership he had. When, when, when Moses couldn't speak no good, he, Aaron partnered with him and, and Aaron would speak for him. They, they had a partnership. I think of Mount Sinai. We talked about this in our Called Out series this fall. But um, Sinai, it's way bigger than just the giving of the Ten Commandments. At Sinai, you have God inviting a people to be his covenant partner, to be his bride, would be the symbolism and what it would have been like for the Israelites. God chooses a bride. He chooses a human partner for the advancing of his kingdom. He says, I'm gonna, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to bless the world. Partnership. Fast forward to the New Testament. There's all kinds of partnerships we could talk about in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it begins with God um, in, in kind of moving into partnership with these, these two unknown, ordinary, teenage-type Mary and Joseph. God enters into partnership with them. Like, I'm up to something. I'm going to do something big here, and I need some human partners. And Mary, you're going to be my partner. And Joseph, you're going to partner with Mary, and we're going to bring my son into the world. And, and we're, going to, we're going to focus on that over the next weeks as we begin our Advent series next Sunday called We're Expecting. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. If anyone can do it alone, it's Jesus. But we see the pattern in the picture that, that he gives us. The son of God as he begins his public ministry and he's, he, he's affirmed, anointed by the Holy Spirit. One of the first things he does is he chooses 12 men to partner with him. To partner with him on mission in the bringing of the kingdom and in the making of disciples. And, and even as he leads them, he, he, he weaves the DNA of partnership into their very beings so much so that when he sends them out to do what he's been doing, he doesn't send them alone ever. He sends them at least two by two, even to get a donkey. Partnership. You know, I, I think Jesus summarizes it best in John 15, verse 5. And it's interesting, uh, as we were praying this morning, this is just a, a word that, that Ryan had as well. But Jesus says this, you want to bring up John 15, 5. He says, I'm the vine, you guys. He's talking to his disciples. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, on your own, you can do nothing. Okay, it's partnership. Partner with me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. Stay grafted to me and and watch what we will do. Watch what we will do in partnership together. Watch what will happen. The Apostle Paul the Apostle Paul, when, when, when he kind of went from Saul persecuting Christians to now the Apostle Paul building churches and planting churches, you never really read about him being alone. You have guys like Barnabas and Titus and, you know, other Silas, others. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians 8.23, Paul says this, you know, he's speaking about Titus. He says, as for Titus, he's my partner. He's my partner. He's my co-worker among you. As for brothers, they are representatives of the churches and in honor to Christ. I got this band of of people around me and we're partners in the gospel. Partnership, this idea of partnership begins in the garden and it's God's blueprint. 
It's his blueprint for the ruling and reigning of his kingdom. Partnership, association with another in action or endeavor, involving others and involving God. Partnership is the way of the kingdom. I think of Paul's words to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. He says this, Paul's speaking. He said, you know, I planted the seed, Apollos, he watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers. We're partners in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Paul just makes it very clear. There's this divine partnership going on between God and, and humans. In, in between humans and humans, it's this beautiful thing. No one person does everything. One plants, one waters. God's the source. He, he's, he's the thing that makes it happen. But partnership, you just see the DNA of partnership. Sometimes we call it family on mission. You know, community, missional community, partnership. Partnership is the DNA of the kingdom of God. And I just want to talk about the power of partnership this morning. And I want to remind us and, and, and even celebrate the partnerships we have as a church this morning. So with that in mind, will you pray with me, please? Lord, what an amazing, crazy thought to think that the, the God who spoke everything into creation um, doesn't need but desires human partnership. He, he, he desires and invites us to partner in, in the extending and the ruling and reigning of his kingdom, of, of making earth just like heaven and bringing heaven to earth what a what a mighty awesome thing i I pray that 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 would captivate us this morning and i pray that we would be stirred um, to celebrate the partnerships we have and to consider the partnerships maybe you have for us not just as a church but as as families and as friends as communities so speak to us lord we're going to open up your word and it's living and breathing and alive and it, it, it has everything we need for life and godliness. Speak to us what we need to hear. Plant it in our hearts. May it take root in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to turn to the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Okay, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, and just keep going a little ways farther through some of the letters and the epistles and you'll find Philippians. You'll find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. God eats potato chips. That's how I remember the order of those four books, okay? Find the potato. Find Philippians. Philippians. Let me tell you a little bit about Philippians. Philippians was a city located in northeastern Greece. Okay, northeastern Greece sort of pictured that. It was an area sort of known as Macedonia in Jesus' day. And Paul first came to this city around 49 CE, you know, so about just about 50 years after the birth of Christ on his second missionary journey. So he was on his second missionary journey and he came to this area um, through some really cool, through a really cool series of supernatural promptings. Okay, and I'm just going to summarize uh, Acts 16 here. Okay, so I'm just going to, you can stay in Philippians, but let me summarize how Paul came to be in Philippi and began this relationship with the Philippians. It says that Paul first went to Derby, and then to Lystra and then there he met Timothy and he wanted to bring Timothy along so uh, he got Timothy prepared and, and added Timothy to his crew 
And they started going from town to town to town. And then this happened. I'm reading in verse 6 of Acts 16. It says, next, Paul and Silas. Remember, Silas is one of, of Paul's ministry partners. Um, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So the Holy Spirit kept them from going to Asia. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, listen to this, this is cool. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. That's how Paul happened to go to Philippi. So then if you keep reading, it says Paul went to Philippi, and while he was there, you know, um, it says Philippi was a major city of that district, and there's a Roman colony. They stayed there for several days. While they were there, that's where they, when they met Lydia. Remember Lydia? She's the, the purple cloth lady. And uh, they, they met Lydia, and Lydia was a worshiper of God, but Paul shared the full story of Jesus. And uh, she was converted, and Lydia and her household were baptized um, and they became hosts for Paul and his partners. And then, uh, this is a great part of the story too. Again, I'm summarizing. But from there, uh, you know, they, they stayed in Philippi. They went to where people prayed. And they had an encounter with this girl, this young girl, who could kind of tell the future through a spirit in her. And uh, would follow Paul and his ministry partners around and uh, would say, hey, listen to these guys. Listen to these guys. You know, they, they can tell you how to be saved. And it, it was, must have went on for a few days because it says eventually Paul got so annoyed that he turned around and he delivered her from this spirit. Well, that made the people who kind of owned this slave girl upset because she was a source of income for them. So they had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in jail. And then you have that great story of it's midnight and it says that Paul and Silas were in jail having just been beaten and flogged, praising and singing hymns and praying to God at midnight after going through all that. And, and all these other people in the jail are listening, including the jailer. Then this earthquake happens and the jailer becomes convinced that Paul must have escaped. So he's going to kill himself. And Paul cries out, hey man, don't kill yourself. We're still here. And the jailer is so taken by this experience that, that he, he takes Paul and Silas and he takes them out of the prison and he cares for their wounds and um, cleans them up. And Paul gets to tell him the story, the, the bigger story of Jesus and this jailer, this Philippian jailer and his household are baptized. That, that's how Paul came to Philippi. That's what happened when Paul first came to Philippi. And Philippi goes on to... The church in Philippi goes on to become one of Paul's most treasured partners in the gospel. In Philippi, was the first time, it was the first European city to be evangelized. And it was, Philippi was the location of the first church in Europe. Now eventually, like Paul does, you know, as his methods, you know, after staying in Philippi for a while, Paul eventually leaves, he moves on to other cities. But Paul kept in contact with the church in Philippi. And the church, the church in Philippi kept in contact with Paul. They even financially supported him in some of his work in Thessalonica, it says. Paul visited Philippi again, 
later on on his third missionary journey, at which time all the churches in Macedonia, because since that first church in Philippi, others have sprung up now, and uh, they had all taken a collection for the poor people in Jerusalem. So Paul swings by Philippi on his third missionary journey, and he receives this offering that the church has collected for the poor in Jerusalem. And Paul personally takes this offering back to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, if you, if you read in the book of Acts, in Jerusalem he encounters some oppositions from the Jews and it led to an imprisonment. Like, like he was in Caesarea in, in prison for a couple years. And then uh, Paul, he, he appeals to Caesar. Maybe you know the story. And, and so Paul then gets taken to Rome where he is placed under house arrest. So he rents a house in Rome and he's under house arrest for a few years waiting to kind of have his time with Caesar and uh, it was during that time that the church in Philippi, it's now like 10 years later since they first met Paul and Silas and, and his ministry partners. It's now 10 years later. They heard that Paul's now an, under house arrest in Rome. So they send one of their elders. We think maybe he was an elder or a pastor. His name was Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. They send Epaphroditus up to Rome to check in on Paul. Here, here's some, here's some financial gifts. Take this to Paul to help him rent his house and provide for his needs. See how Paul is doing. And after that experience, that's when Paul writes a letter. He writes a letter to his friends, to the church in Philippi. And uh, we're going to look at a few verses. Um, I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 1. Just, I'm going to read the first eight verses. Verses 3 through 5 are going to be up on the screen. But, but I want you to listen to the heart. Listen to the heart that the Apostle Paul has for this church that, that he helped start 10 years ago that he's kind of been away from now, but he zooms back in from time to time and he, he you know, exchanges some, some communication with them just through word of mouth or whatever. Listen to his heart for the church in Philippi. He says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus in Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. So he's writing this to everyone. This is meant to be a letter read to the entire church. It's for the entire church family. He starts out in verse two by saying, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He says this, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. You easily and quickly, just in the beginning eight verses of Philippians 1, you easily pick up this deep, deep affection that Paul has for the church in Philippi. He values the relationships and he's so grateful. He's so grateful for this particular church's support. There's three primary ways the church in Philippi has supported Paul. They've prayed for him. They, they have 
probably prayed continually for Paul. Paul even alludes to it in the letter. If you read all the Philippians, he talks about and thanks them for the prayers that that they are praying for him. The, The church in Philippi prayed for Paul. The church in Philippi sent financial gifts to Paul. They sent some gifts, you know, with Epaphroditus to help provide for, for Paul's needs. Paul had needs. The church stepped up and helped him. And they encouraged him. I mean, we're not just going to send money. We're going we're gonna to send a person. We're going to send a person to go relationally check in on Paul, to care for Paul, to encourage Paul, to support Paul. I mean, it was this beautiful partnership, prayer, encouragement, gifts. But it wasn't just this one-way relationship. I mean, I, I think it was really mutual. Did the best that we able to. It was a mutual relationship. Paul poured back into the Philippian church. This letter that we have, the book of Philippians, being one example of how Paul tried to pour back into the church. If you read the entire letter, you find that Paul is trying to help the people at Philippi solve some, some problems. He's giving advice on on how to deal with some relational conflicts that they're having. He's encouraging them to live with joy no matter what. To to, to live contented lives in the midst of suffering. In the letter, if you read the whole letter, he alludes to how he desires and hopes to be able to send Timothy back to them. You know, he wants to send someone back to them. You know, just like they sent someone to him. You know, to, to mutually edify and encourage and support and help each other. Paul wanted to help them just as much as they wanted to help Paul. To Paul, this was more than just a relationship. It was more than just a friendship. It was a partnership. And it was a gospel partnership. And as I've been meditating on that and and reading, you know, especially those verses over the last week, you know, Paul's heart and his words to the church in Philippi, I've found myself, like Paul, giving thanks. You know, it helps that it's the spirit of thanksgiving, you know, this week. Like, we're, we're, we're mindful. We're more tuned in to the things that we're giving thanks for. I find myself this week giving thanks for this church's partnerships, for the partnerships that Victory Point has here and around the world. Because we have gospel partnerships too. We have gospel partnerships with people in ministries, you know, locally and around the world. And, and I thought this would be a great morning just to draw attention to some of those and to remind us of those, to put them on our radar, to be thankful for them, to be encouraging to those that we are in partnership with. And maybe some of you are fairly new to Victory Point and you're not aware that we have gospel partnerships with people locally and around the world. And a matter of fact, uh, we've been spending time over this last year really bringing some fresh vision and strategy to our, our mission partnerships you know, myself, along with a couple staff and elders, like we, we just been kind of thinking through, like bringing, bringing a fresh vision to our, our ministry partnerships that we have. You know, how, how do we intentionally grow them? How do we intentionally deepen them? How do we know who to partner with and who not to partner with? Because there's all kinds of opportunities everywhere to partner with people. How do we know which ones that God's calling us to invest in? You know, how, how long do we partner? When, when do partnerships sort of reach shore? When do we start new ones? You know, we've been thinking about this kind of stuff. And um, I just want to share with you just, just a few of the things that we've come up with. You know, because this is us. You know, this is not just me speaking. This is us as a church. So I, I'm going to put up there kind of our strategy statement that we've come up with. 
as we think about the, the people that we partner with, just like Paul did with the church in Philippi, as we think about our partnerships, here's what we're thinking. Here's our strategy. Our strategy is to cultivate meaningful partnerships with like-minded people in ministries locally and around the world. And the goal of these friendships is to work closely with them in creating shared ministry opportunities that strengthen the mission, strengthen our relationship with each other, and strengthen our relationship with God. If, if you're part of our discipleship culture here, you just saw like up in out. That, that's embodied, that's DNA, that's values for us. You know, we, we want to grow up in and out with our ministry partners. We want to have friendships. We don't just want to have a, a partnership with an organization, like people. We want to partner with people. So then we came up with these values. You know, these are just five of the values that we have as we think about ministry partnerships here at Victory Point. We want them to be authentic and accountable. Authentic and accountable. We desire partnerships that include real relationships and growing friendships with actual people, not just organizations. We commit to and expect communication to flow back and forth between us and our partners, and we have accountability in those. We want to have shared vision. Shared vision. We desire to partner with people in the bringing of the good news of the kingdom of God to a people or a place in a tangible way through both our words and our deeds. We desire our partnerships to be spirit-led. We want to take seriously the, the DNA and the value we have of listening to God and doing what he says when it comes to partnerships, of really listening to what, what's God saying. We really want to lean heavily on the person of peace strategy. Who, who is God inviting us into relationship with? Where's the blessing? Where's the, the peace? God's favor. Let's pay attention to those and step into those. We really value two-way sharing. I mean, we really want to like, do better at this. We desire partnership that includes not just Victory Point giving a financial donation to a person or to an organization. You know, we don't want to just, it's got to be more than just the giving of financial or material resources. We want to help each other grow. We, we want to help each other grow in our own context through the exchanging of ideas and leadership coaching and even the sending of, of people back and forth, just like we see in, in this letter. You know, the, the, Paul desires to send Timothy. The church sends one of their guys to, to Paul. I mean, we, we want to be, be better at that sort of thing. You know, there, there's, I'm convinced there's things we can learn from Tom and Kristen Burzma about how to, to, to make disciples. I mean, they're, they're killing it. They're doing it. Like, they, they, there's things we can learn from them. You know, how, how, do we, how do we let them coach us? How do we learn from them? And then deep and diverse. We desire to partner across a range of ministry expressions, not just geographically, but scope and scale. Yet, we really want to be wise about maintaining a realistic number of, of mission partnerships. You know, because we want to maintain depth. We don't want to get spread too thin. So these are just some of the guiding values that we are applying to our existing partnerships and to our, our emerging and new partnerships. What are some of our partnerships right now? We'll go to the next slide. I can show you. Some of these are going to show up, you know, as part of our holiday offering that we're doing this year. But, but here's who Victory Point's in gospel partnership with right now, here and around the world. We're obviously in partnership with the Burzma family. And that's been going on, I think, since around 2004, so for like 14 years. And I might even be wrong on that date. We're in partnership with Hope for Kids Mexico. A lot of you sitting here have been down to Mexico and helped build a school down there. 
A lot of you have gone multiple times. You, 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 there's now like a school that, that, that not just, you know, a whole bunch, not just like some kids, but like hundreds of kids now are going to a Christian school in Miguel Alaman because this church has partnered with a couple pastors down there, Ramon and David, and, 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 and now are partnering with Hope for Kids Mexico and helping kids now go to school. We've been in partnership with them for like 14 years as well. Same thing with like, like Kids Hope. I'm going to jump down to Kids Hope USA. That's been a partnership going on for like, I think we're in our 17th year, 16th or 17th. Brenda would know. Um, but uh, that's been a partnership between Victory Point and Great Lakes Elementary School and just simply a local partnership where we provide mentoring and support for not just some, some at-risk kids, but to a whole school and, and their staff. That's been a really cool partnership for us. Vida Abundante. Some of you might not even know this, especially if you're new to Victory Point, but there, there's a church that meets at 1 o'clock every Sunday right there in the gathering room led by Pastor Carlos. And we've been in partnership with them since 2006, I think. And, and that's a gospel partnership that, that, that we, we support them. We, we enfold Carlos into our, our staff team. And, and uh, he, he's, part, he's one of us. You know, he prays with us during the week and, and he partners with us in so many ways. Um, there's El Shaddai. El Shaddai, we partner with a guy named Ephraim, Pastor Ephraim at El Shaddai Church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And that's been going on, I, I think, since 2012 now. So that's like six years. We, we've been partnering with, with, with them down in Haiti. Uh, sort of a newer one for us is uh, the Lathimer family. You've seen Jeff up here a couple times. Jeff and his wife and their kids, they live in England. And uh, they're seeking to be a gospel. They even use that word, gospel community, gospel partnership. They're seeking to build and plant gospel communities in their town. And they've started a coffee shop to help be a gathering place to, to launch some of those and to build relationships with people. Cool, cool family. Very much shared vision and uh, sharing with them. You know, we've been partnering, we've been sort of getting to know them for the last couple years, but um, we've decided, like, they're going to be one of our partners. They're going to be a a gospel partner with us. And wouldn't it be cool if someday, like, we could send some people over there, they could send some people here, and we could learn from each other. And then the last one up there, I think I've covered them all, um, World Orphans. We've been getting to know the, the team at World Orphans for the last year, year and a half or so, and really feel a person of peace affirmation with them and really a, a like-minded, like-hearted vision with, with what they're trying to do in the world. So we've decided we're, we're going to partner with them. We're going to officially partner with them beginning in 2019 and um, see, see what God does, see what God brings. And we specifically have decided, like, we're, we want to really zoom in on what they are doing in Iraq and uh, through uh, a ministry there called Refuge Initiative with uh, Billy Ray and his family. Um, and they're really um, going after ministering to refugees because we've decided like the refugee crisis, it's like the crisis of our generation. What are we doing about it? What are we doing as a church to, to speak into that, to, to, to kind of minister, you know, to be good news, to help bring the kingdom to that? And uh, so these are some of our, our mission partnerships that, that we have here at Victory Point. Just like Paul in the church in Philippi, this is Victory Point. And these people, these are our partners. These are the people we partner with. And I'm so thankful for them. As I think of Paul writing a letter, you know, um, I thank my God every time I think of you for your partnership in the gospel. I'm thinking of these guys this week. 
I'm grateful. Grateful for their partnership in the gospel. You know what? I think uh, we have other ministry partnerships right, right in front of us all the time. We call them missional communities. Here's the missional community. I just did a screenshot from our, our webpage. But we have six missional communities right now at Victory Point. These are gospel partnerships. These are ministry partnerships between a, a community of people and God and um, a, a place or location. I mean, we have Belay Youth Ministry, missional community, you know, partnering with, with, uh, with Belay Youth Ministry and Tara in an after-school program on Tuesdays for middle school kids at West Ottawa. We have the Central High School CHS Fan Club. That's an alternative high school in Grand Haven. And Brendan and Rachel and their friends and any of you who want to join are, are going after just being really big fans and supporters of the kids and the staff at that school. We have the Great Lakes Elementary MC. You know, that, that's the one that oversees our, our hand-to-hand ministry with Great, Lakes, with Great Lakes Elementary School and really just seeks to love on the staff at Great Lakes Elementary School. We have the Helping Hands Caring Hearts MC. That's just a group of people who like, we want to bless and help the, the people in need in the Victory Point family. And so as they hear of things, they come alongside people. That group especially has come alongside Maywan and Melissa Gates in that whole journey for his liver transplant. And that, that has been just a, a stellar picture of what it looks like to be in gospel partnership. Um, the Heritage Healthcare Missional Community, just a, a group of people who are, are seeking to be good news in word and deed at Heritage Healthcare in Zealand, not just to the residents, but to the staff. And then, you know, we have an emerging MC right now that's kind of discovering its place, but just really feels called to the Gateway Center through the Holland Rescue Mission. And, uh, you know, are wondering what could it look like to maybe, you know, mentor or, or come alongside some of the people going through the Gateway program. These are, these are mission partnerships. These are partnerships in the gospel, and I'm really grateful for them. And, um, and if you're sitting out here and you're not a part of one of these and you ever want to check one out, it's open invitation. Go check one out. Or you're sitting out here like, man, I, I would love to do something like that, but my heart is for this or for that. We'd love to talk to you and help you. Like, uh, we, we would love to fill this screen up with all kinds of boxes of all different missional communities scattered throughout this community of people in gospel partnership. But I just celebrate. I just find myself today just really grateful. What's really cool is some of these missional communities actually then try to partner with some of our, our mission partners, you know, and try to, like, keep up communication with some of them on the global level, which is really cool to see as well. But these are just, these mission partners, these missional communities, these are our partnerships in the gospel. And I'm giving thanks for them this morning. So when I go back to Philippians 1, you know, 3 through 5, these are the people that I'm putting in my letter that I'm writing. I thank my God every time I remember you, you mission partners, you missional communities. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Here's the deal. When you participate in the life of this church, when you pray, when, when you encourage, when you give generously of your time, in your treasures, in your talents, when you drop tithes and offerings into that bag or you give online, when you give generously to the holiday offering, you are investing in, contributing to, and partnering in all of these gospel partnerships we have going. You really are. And I just celebrate that as a church. I'm really proud of that. But now, to close, I just want to 
ask you to think about this. I mean, it's easy to talk about this at the macro level, at the kind of the corporate level, the organizational level. I mean, here's what we do together as a church. And they're really cool stuff. But I'm just wondering, like, how about you personally? When you think about your life, like, who do you partner with? Who do you think of? Who, who is it for you that when you, every time you think of them, whenever they come to mind, you thank God and you pray with joy for that person's partnership in the gospel in your life? Who is it that you partner with at work, at school, in your neighborhood, wherever you find yourself? I mean, who are your gospel partners? Because I, I think it's more than just organizational ones that we share together. I think we all should have like gospel partners all the time in our life. Who, who are the people in your life that you're thanking God for, for their partnership in bringing the good news to people? I mean, I, I'm grateful for my family today and just the way that um, we do our best, not always great at it. We do our best to try to live as a family on mission in partnership, combining our resources sometimes when we know there's a need. Um, you know, I, I think of uh, some, some of the men in this church. I, I think of Crozier back there. Like, he's my partner in crime, in the gospel. Like, whenever I have something going on and I need prayer coverage, I, I call him or text him. When I'm going to, to tutor Jimmy, my Kids Hope kid, he texts me because he's praying for me. You know, whenever I hear of, like, man, there, there's somebody that is in need tangibly of, of some help, I got guys I call, you know, Brad and Scott and Crow and Tim and Brad and others. Like, I mean, Doug, like, there's just... There's guys I know that are partners with me in the gospel in both declaration and demonstration. And I'm giving thanks for them today. Who is it for you? And I just want to challenge you this week to think about, and, and even today and into this week, like who are your partners in the gospel? Just like Paul had, you know, the church in Philippi and he probably thought of some specific people in his mind as he wrote a letter to them. Who is it for you that you partner in the gospel with? Who's your go-to person Who's, who's part of your, your famous duo in, in bringing the good news to people? And could I challenge you this week to, like, to thank them? Send them a text. Send them an email. Send them a letter, just like Paul did. Send them a letter thanking them for their partnership in the gospel because God has put you guys together for a moment in time for a reason, and he wants to work through you. And, and let's thank God for our partnerships. I'm going to invite the band forward. As we close out, I'm just going to invite you to think about have a think, as our friend Paul from Great Britain would say. Let's, let's have a think. As we think about Paul's gratitude to the church in Philippi, and as we think about all the people we're grateful for as a church that we get to partner with, bring it down to, to you personally right now. Who is it for you? Who's your, who are two, three people, just one even, that, that you would say, like, man, that, that's my partner in the gospel. That's my partner in the kingdom. Might be your spouse, might be your parent, might be your kids, might be a coworker, might be a classmate. But who partners with you in the gospel and praying for people and, and demonstrating and declaring the good news? Just write them down and write them down on a note right now, so you don't forget. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Just have a think for a second. Maybe you could play a little music. It'd be awesome.
we think about those that we are in gospel partnership with, don't forget at the very minimum, you are in partnership with the God of the universe. And Dwight L. Moody, uh, he said this. They found this written on the inside of his Bible, on his bedstand, just after he passed away. He had written this in his Bible. If God is your partner, make your plans big. If God is your partner, make your plans big. So Lord, I, I thank you for this time together this morning where we could just pause and give thanks in this season of thanksgiving. We could give thanks for the people that you have placed in our lives as partners in the gospel. I thank you for the people that you've placed in our lives as a church family, locally and around the world, who we have the joy and the privilege of partnering with in the advancing of your kingdom and the making of disciples. I thank you for the, the people we are in community with here, missional communities, as we seek to be on mission as community in, in this place. Thank you for them. And Lord, we thank you today um, for, the, for, for those in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, who are partners in the gospel. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who cannot think of anyone who they would call a partner in the gospel, I pray that you would bring them someone, bring someone into their life this week to be a co-conspirator in the kingdom of God, to be a partner in the proclamation of the good news of the kingdom of God. And thank you for your desire to invite us into partnership with you. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude our time this morning just with a few